0: Smooth Operator. Great clean game today. Taylor sets up the screen. Near side. Lindsey with blockers ahead of it. Two to the five. Looking for the end zone and he's got the touchdown. Mayfield over the middle. hit his man. The ball is loose and picked up by the Texans. Christian Kirksey with the ball. Let's see if they rule that a completion. And... Mayfield over the middle and is intercepted. Picked off in midfield by Justin Reed. Reed left pulls it down on the move. Gonna get the first down and more. Quick slant, touchdown, Houston, Brandon Cooks.
1: And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up for What podcast, talking your Houston Texans, straight from the Great British Isles, and we're at episode 98 and a rather strange week, too. A lot to talk about, but joined by a good friend of mine, James from Texas Unfiltered. James, how are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. I think it was uh it's a strange. I thought Sunday was a strange game in many ways because it, this for the first of a long time feels like a team you can really root for. Um, I find it easier to be proud of guys who are overachieving rather than underachieving. Um, and the same goes with the coaching staff, but there was a lot, There's a lot to unpack, but just what was your general kind of thoughts on, on Sunday the, as the game sort of slipped away, I suppose, in the second half? What, what did you make of it? Uh,
0: I, I think the Texans would have won had Tyron Taylor stayed in the game. Um, I think from a coaching perspective, they, uh, they definitely played, you know, honestly better than I think everybody expected. Um, to be honest, I, I, you know, I don't know that anybody expected this team to come in and compete the way that they did. And it was from the jump, right? I mean, yeah, they had the muck pump by Andre Roberts, but I mean, the defense on the initial drive was three and out, um, you know, it it was, it was a breath of fresh air because these are the types of games that we would normally under a Bill O'Brien coach team, just that would have gotten away extremely quick. And, uh, that wasn't the case. Um, it's just been a pleasant surprise watching this team play. If, I, if I'm being fully
1: transparent, yeah, and I suppose the, the sort of preseason predictions are that kind of the, the, probably the best hope you could have was that this team would be gutsy, uh, be scrappy, would stay in games, um, would find ways to to stick with other teams that are probably you know on and well in all probability probability more talented you, than you on paper. But I think it was uh, it was probably it, it's refreshing in the sense that you know there's guys playing above their level but i think at the same time there's also on the flip side of that it makes you just think back to the 2018 team even the 2019 team and just think they just grossly underachieved predominantly due to coaching staff
0: yeah i mean if you just look back at it like the talent was there at, at a much higher level than what it is now and these guys are playing above their pay grade uh, all those one to two year bets that were signed that you know, I was on a bunch of Browns podcasts last week and one of them was like, look, these aren't just scrubs. They're, they're, they're guys who have had some success in this league and whether it be schematically or coaching or just not in the position to succeed, you know, now that they're in a position where they, they are succeeding and they're playing above expectations. And I think that's a fair, like that's a fair way to look at it. The, all these guys are playing for their next contract and, they all want to play for Cully, which I don't know if we had that last year or the years prior with Bill O'Brien. I don't know if people really wanted to play for Bill O'Brien. I think they probably wanted to play for Deshaun, if anything. Yeah, um,
1: yeah I liked when Cully came out and uh, it was the play that O'Clair got, I think he must have got poked in the eye by Clowney, but that was and. Uh, intentional or not I don't know um, I would always defend him in the past when he's been to other places but um, he seemed to go to the ground with clear. and I think Cully was coming over basically to speak to Pharaoh Brown because he keeps continually getting into it with people after the play has been blown dead um, and I think he, he was less effectual than he'd been the the week, the week prior against Jacksonville so I don't know if the, the shoulder and the, the other ailment that he was carrying affected him but, but I, th- I like when Cully came out and, and got into a bit with some of the guys up front um, yeah and uh, particularly because Mills was on the field at the time, um, and he made a, a complete fuck up of that call, and I was losing my mind at the time. Um, I don't know why he didn't accept the penalty, uh, but I think the humility that he showed and the almost refreshing answer of "Yeah, I got it wrong," you know, and I, I just it was it was great to see. And you can see him doing that. Why people have gravitated to him, levit, you know, and he's elevating guys around him, and he he's getting a you know a a, a far far more positive and cultural spirit than you would have had otherwise. And I'm not really a big one for that, but I think when when you start to see the results of it and you see we're almost at the opposite where we'd been, um, I think, you know, as you said, if, if Tyrod had been there, we might have, you know, be talking a very different team right now. But yeah, I like the way Cully answered that question. Um, and he's grown on me. I wasn't a big fan of the hire, but I I I can see Casario's vision a little bit more every week, I think, sometimes with Cully.
0: Yeah, you know, I think... Um I think everybody was wrong about Coley. If if we're just going to be like honest, right? Yeah. I I was wrong. I think everybody was wrong about the the head coaching, right? Is he the permanent guy? Is he the guy that's going to lead us to the championship? You know, honestly, I don't know. But I know that he's the guy for where we're at currently to kind of guide us through this period that we're in, right? This rebuild, this, you know, players coach that all the players – want to i mean you could just see it it's not even just like on the field like you could see it when they talk about him. you know sure they give you code the players speak right where they talk highly about him and things of that nature yeah. but it's their body language and tone when they're talking it doesn't come out forced it's like they actually gen- genuinely want to play for this man and i think with where the franchise is at i don't know if you want another type of coach
1: yeah, I think he's the right kind of personality to steer. And he said that, I'm the guy for right now. And I thought it was interesting, the amount of players that came out and said, look, we'll be fine. You know, we've got a, a special bond in this, um, you know, locker room. And, and they're bringing that unprompted. Um, so it's positive to see, I think, because if you think of all the mud slinging, of all the shit that's gone on in the off-season with, with number four and all that kind of stuff, um, it kind of felt like, you know, it was coming together a bit again. And obviously... You know, we'll see on Thursday night if people kind of are revived or or, or are a bit more enthusiastic. Because week one was was you know the the uh, the terraces were sparse. I think it, um, you know in terms of season. Look, it takes even in the good days it, it takes a long time to fill up. Uh, but the primetime game is probably a good sort of barometer of where people are and how you know because they've got plenty of time to get there. Um, and it's it'll be an interesting to see what the crowds like. Whether the team can perform in the absence of tie is a difference it's uh, probably a different question altogether but I thought very interesting just to see it feels like a bit of a a, a restoration of the fan base and a restoration of um, the club as a whole I think because it's been broken for a long time now
0: yeah I mean I think you know this Thursday is going to be an interesting matchup in the sense of rookie quarterback third round quarterback um <laughs> you know, going against the number one defense in the NFL on prime yeah. time. Like, you know, I really wonder if these storylines are manufactured by the NFL, right? Like, I, I don't know why conspiracy hat, like theorists came into my mind, but I mean, could you write a better storyline than Texans looking good through two weeks lost their top five quarterback in the offseason, Doesn't want to play for you. The pick of Davis Davis Mills in the third round, he's now going to go up against the best NFL defense in the league right now, in prime time. You just have to wonder, like, if like these stories are made up because, like, if Davis Mills and I'm not saying he is, and I know you don't believe he is, but what if what if he likes, you know, the Panthers on fire, and that mm-hmm. becomes the narrative, and all of a sudden everything changes? It's like. I don't know. Like if we see these things time and time again in the NFL, stories yeah. very similar to this to where it's like you have to wonder if there's like twelve old white guys in in a in a in a you know at a at a round table discussing like what should the storylines look like this year. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, really I mean weird. it can all change. I mean, like as I just said, I think it's positive, and I think people have come together, but I mean that can flip very, very quickly with wins and losses. So where you know where this team will be in terms of you know public sentiment by the end of Thursday night, I think you know really up for debate. Um I watched a little bit of the Panthers defense, uh, I'm going to get into it today and tomorrow just for an article prior to the game. But yeah, there's definitely a there, there, there's definitely a ferocity about that front. um, and I think the coordinator Snow, who's been predominantly a college guy. Um, and actually, wasn't really that familiar t- with him until I saw Lance Sterling put out a tweet just about you know all the places he'd been and he'd, he'd, he's been, and he's been with the head coach there. And it looks like you know he, he dials up a lot of blitzes, and that was one of the things that I picked out in the second half. With Mills was second level pressure, the the, the run that got blow, blown up before the interception, and then the one where Grant Delpit leveled them. Um, he just didn't see it. And there was a hot route there. You know, Burkhead's flailing his arms in the air with frustration that he's not seen him on the hot. And, you know, I think they're going to throw the, the kitchen sink at him in terms of blitzes. And for all rookie quarterbacks, that's difficult. And if you look at the stretch we've got as well, we've got Carolina. Um, then we go up to Buffalo, who looked decent and, and you know, and put a, literally put two on a stretcher. Then we've got the Patriots and Belichick, smug like a Cheshire Cat on the other side, what he did to Zach Wilson. Uh, and then we've got to travel up to the Colts. So, you know, he's going to have no hiding places. So it's almost, and I think in some ways, James, I think it's better we get this look now and we can revert back to Tyrod because if it's absolutely four drubbins, then we can kind of say, well, look, the kid's not ready. We'll see where he is next preseason. Let's put him in, maybe bring somebody else in. But I think I'd rather have this now than maybe, you know, let the season fade out uh, and and then he, then he plays when guys oh. are dogging it so there's going to be no hiding places for Davis Mills. Um, and I think they're going to throw everything out on blitz-wise. Um, and they've got some good head rushers to to uh, to get in behind our line.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think, uh, you know, a couple of things there. Um, I do think that the Panthers' defense and the way that they, you know, scheme their blitzes and things of that nature, you know, with Brian Burns and just all the players that they have on the defensive uh, front, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be something that we didn't see last week. Um, a, a ton of, you know, the offensive line through two games though it has been a lot better than I think anybody anticipated. So it's going to be interesting to see if Mills is able to you know pick up on those blitzes and adjust the uh, protection to you know be able to somewhat um, slow down the blitz and slow down the rush. But yeah. that's a lot. That's you're expecting a lot from a third round rookie that ha- is going to have two to three days of first team reps for the first time this season. But at the end of the day, like, it is what it is. I, I, I agree with you. This four game stretch, look, whether we were going to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs of Tyrod, I I think there's an argument to be made that with the schedule we have, there was a good chance that if Tyrod continued to play at the level he was playing at, we should have been able to at least make a wild card or, or, or win our division. In my opinion, I don't think that's a stretch based on what we've seen in six quarters.
1: Would you agree? uh in terms of an offense i suppose i suppose the injuries piled up didn't they, on sunday so you think if you think you know we only carried five wide receivers and that caught us out after six quarters so you know there's a, there's a lot of variables but i think on his trajectory that he was playing at was probably the best you could have hoped for um but also his history you know as has tended to you know get injuries at the worst time and it's hit him again and you feel sorry for the guy because you know a hell of a leader doing a good job out there so yeah i think there was a chance yeah i think possibly I and mean, i guess that's what i'm saying like ultimately there was a chance
0: now you know through these four weeks you know there's probably not a chance right the the, the playoffs yeah. Are, yeah. are pretty much gone right um i mean who knows the division's pretty bad in general i know the titans had a big one against the seahawks the colts look bad the jags look bad so who who really knows but um it used to be like that year that the, the, what was it? The, the Panthers made the playoffs and they were like seven and six or something yeah, like that yeah, or, something, yeah, yeah. or seven and seven and one they had a time I and who knows anything can happen, but I agree with your premise that like, let's see what Davis Smith has, I'd rather him go against the best competition and us really have an understanding of what he potentially is compared to being fooled by going against like the Jags or the jets or, you know, yeah. whatever bad teams may be on the roster. I mean, on the schedule for us to really have an understanding of, you know, what he is as a quarterback. Can he build, can he develop? Is he going to get better each week? Things of that nature. The Panthers defense is a great test. The bills defense is a great test. We all know Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. I think he has like the best record in the history of the NFL against rookie quarterbacks. Um, So those first three games are going to be very telling. We'll understand if there's something to build on or if this is just another third round rookie. And, uh, you know, it'll be fun. Hopefully, you know. I think. I think him coming in the second half against the Browns was somewhat deflating for fans uh, because yeah, you went into you went into it thinking we we have a chance at winning this game, and then Davis Mills comes in, and you know for a fact that at that point like he's not going to light it on fire. He had no preparation. We're going to lose that game, and I think that's what made that game so hard for the second half was the fact that. Expectation was you could potentially win this game. You should win yeah. this game based on the first half, and then it went away. So now we'll be able to see at least what it looks like for a full game.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and I suppose it's there was a couple of plays, wasn't there? There was the long ball to Brandon Cooks, which he just left out to the right. When when I watched it from the all twenty two end zone view today, it just didn't seem. Logical? Why he would have done that? I think with the interception to Andre Roberts. I mean, obviously Roberts. Has, you know, I tweeted at the time Mills' interception intended for Roberts. We got here quick, but I, that goes back to the five wide receiver issue. So you know, Anthony Miller is going to have to be you know a, a big big factor on Thursday night for as if, if this offense is going to move the chains consistently, and you know he's going to have no hiding places, and he's going to he's a guy that's in the spotlight for a second contract that Chicago deemed he wasn't worth. But I think when you when you saw those two plays. Um, you know, it could have easily gone right, you know, if it just had laid it out in front of them. There was a third down play. Where he threw it into Jordan Aitkins, he dropped it, and actually, when you, again, when you saw it for the all twenty-two, you should have caught it. So, you know, there was, you know, there was, there was adversity they overcame. There was the, I mean, what did you think actually of that Jordan Atkins uh, spinning the the ball on their cycling? I know he looks at them and he does see something, but I mean, Christ, you mean, like, <laughs> what what can you not flag? You know, if you're going to make a big third down call, you've not caught a ball all season. That was his first pa- pass he caught you got to let guys celebrate a little. You know, I know that uh, it's a point of emphasis, but still, I mean, I think you've got to let that one go, surely.
0: I mean, that was, for me, like, it, that was a great ball. One, and yeah. a great catch. Like, the placement, yeah. right? A- and the adjustment that Aikens had to make. I mean, that was just a good play overall. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. This whole, like, no celebration thing is, it's just taking the fun out of the league. Yeah. You know, sure, the league's still going to be watched and things of that nature, but to throw the ball down, and, and have a little spin on it and, yeah. and get, get penalized for it, that's, that's crazy. I mean, what
1: do you want these guys to do? They can't have any fun whatsoever? Well, well, the thing for me is if he'd done it on the other sideline, there's no flag. He does right. it on our side. It does not the opposite sideline of the pitch, you know, or you know, it, it, would it count if he was up the other side, of the, you know, if he was closer to the hash marks? So I don't know. Um, but I think the, the point I was making there was for a digress was just that there was a couple of plays there that could have, that could have fallen in line and could have and could have given us some more momentum and could, you know if he cuz if he gets that one to Brandon Cooks deep you know as a big momentum shifter you know a deep ball like that because it just guts the defense you know they they, they change their play calling after that they'll get a little bit deeper um but i think for me and, the, the, and i put out a, a clip um Earlier on, just about a blown up run play in the in the red zone. But I think what what the Texans need to be able to do is actually run the ball better because actually our pass protection so far has been okay, but it's hard yards and we're relying on Mark Ingram bouncing off guys to get that extra two or three yards. And that's great, uh, but you can't live every down that way. And I think the, right. the 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 issue I picked up on that film was a very basic clip. It was set up perfectly um, to to go and run and run one up in the end zone there before the before the slant to Cooks later on but the, the linemen aren't getting to the second level and I think for me when you watch the line block and just you take that play but if you watch all the 22 for the first two games of the season we move Titus Howard to left guard to to, to allow us to run the ball in theory but actually it's the other side of the line that's doing a bit more damage for us and actually there's an argument to be made: first two weeks Titus Howard's the weakest link in this line and they're not running the ball well him and, and Tunsil continues to dog it in the run game not interest, genuine disinterest in the run game um, you can't fault them in pass protection, but he, but but the if if this team is to rally around Davis Mills in the next four weeks, those guys are going to have to go and you know kick some tail up front, and that that includes getting to the second level on safeties and linebackers and moving them out of the way because that's the difference between a ten fifteen yard run to a thirty thirty five yard run, and that's the way you're going to have to live with a young guy back there.
0: I agree. I, I think that the the second level blocking from the offensive line in general just hasn't really been there. I Titus and, and Tunsil do look disinterested. They don't look like They look as if they did their job at the first level and it's over um, instead of just really fighting to keep the, you know, those yards alive. Um, And, you know, you have to wonder, like, if that's the case, I I would assume the way that Coley coaches and the way that the players respond, there has to be a conversation this week. But for for Davis Mills to have any success, they can't they can't expect, you know, two to three yard gains every time and and setting up Davis Mills for the best position to succeed. It's just not the way this is going to work. He's going to need to heavily rely on that run game. I'll tell you this: the one thing that I have been surprised about, and I don't know if this is why David Johnson was kept on the on on the roster, because uh, he's not running the ball well, was David Johnson's pass protection. Yeah, I, he, yeah. I, he 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 might be the best pass protector on our team. oh yeah, defense. no doubt. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Yeah, I,
0: I, uh, I think he hit Miles Garrett on a chip every almost every play.
1: Yeah, I did. I, did, I heard Matt Weston talk about this yesterday, and I I said that to my. But at the time we were watching the game, I said, why, you know, and again, it goes back to the Tunsil point, you know, don't want to go old, old, over, you know, old yards. But, you know, the whole point is when you draft a guy like Tunsil, you don't need somebody to chip and he's out there chipping. Surely if he's going to be chipping, he should be on the other side um, of yeah. the line and help out Cannon or Heck or whoever's going to be in there. But Cannon played all, all the snaps this week. And I think that, that solidified the line a bit better because that was the best pass protection considering the talent. Um, for you know a long, long time. You know you're going back to Dwayne Brown, uh, Chris Myers' days when you know when it was generally the quarterback had plenty of time to to throw. Um, so I think from from that side it was positive, but they will have to improve um, in 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 their uh, run fits because they're just not getting to the second level and clearing space out. Because when you saw on the opposite side of the ball how easily the Browns cleared us out multiple times. And look there's there isn't many better guards in the running game than white taylor but i think you know they, they continually cleaned us up um time on time on time and if you watch that final chub uh run into the end zone the b gap is you know there must be about seven meters wide space you know and uh it's just it was it was embarrassing towards the end and i think we just faded and they'll do that to teams but i think you know going back to that point you made earlier, would we continue to to have a chance to be a competitive side and maybe sneak six seven wins Uh, with Tyrod and my consideration James is I think right now watching the two all 22s back quite carefully the last couple of weeks I think the turnovers are covering the cracks on this defence and look that that was always going to be the case in terms of the talent Uh, but I think we're, we're getting away with a lot more because of those turnovers because the the run fits, and that second that second tier unit they're bringing in up front of the front guy front four can't defend the run. I don't. Uh, Jordan Jenkins can't set the edge. Jacob Martin had a terrible game um, in terms of the run the, the run defense. I know people are critical of him, um, but yeah, I think that the defense is 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 being uh, is kind of getting away with it a little bit. I think because some of the some of the basic basic concepts to get open in zone. Uh, there was one where they, they motioned the tight end over over to the opposite side. Vern Hargreaves keeps backing off because he's so scared to get caught in behind, and then they just flood the, they just flood the same zone with the two players, and then Baker just picked it every time, and it was, it it was it was it was easy pickings, um, and he is okay at that. Um, but I think there was definitely a def, there's definitely definitely a lot being covered up by these turnovers because you can't rely on them every week. I would
0: agree. I, I think you know. Uh, I didn't expect them to stop the the run offense for the Browns. I think it's a tall task, no matter yeah, who you're playing. Yeah. I mean, they basically have two of the same exact running backs, except Cream Hunt might have a little bit more juice than, than Nick Chubb is on the speed side. But they're both power runners that drive off of contact and just continue. Um, the good thing is this matchup this week won't be anything like that. It's more going to be more of a uh, you know a finesse runner in, in Christian McCaffrey and things of that nature, but. I agree. I mean, when you look at the defensive line, they're not they just aren't sticking. It's like it's almost as if it's not like they're missing their assignments, but they're just not playing their assignments well enough. Like you see on the outside, they're over pursuing quite a bit, opening up lanes. Jacob Martin is just not very good at setting the edge. Pass rusher, fine. Something that he needs to be doing, but setting that Whitney's not good at setting the edge. Like we really don't have a guy on the outside that's good at setting the edge in general. Um Malik Collins has been eh probably our best yeah. defensive lineman but hasn't you know still hasn't been great in in uh, eating up the run and Blacklock I, he might have had I don't know if he had a great game at all to be honest with you. I mean there was some pressure maybe but he did not play a great game compared to what we saw in the Jags game, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Know that. Why do you think Jacob Martin always gets sacks early? Because he, he seems to do that, and then you don't see him. He doesn't kind of flash up again. I don't know if he just catches people with his speed off, off guard, but, yeah, I've, I've noticed that. If you think, but, you know, last year at the Colts, he got an early sack. He did it against New England um, and his first year. You know, early, early big plays in the game. and then it kind of disappears a little. Yeah, uh,
0: honestly, I don't know. I haven't really looked, even thought about that. You're right. I mean, every single time that something's happened with Jacob, if it's been a play made, it's, it's been extremely early. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe he gets gassed. Um, maybe after that first sack, there's adjustments made. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, we know he's not strong. We, we know, we know his, his game is based on speed and get off. That's, that's his entire, that's, that's what helps. That's what makes him who he is. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a yeah. great point. Yeah, and we we missed Vincent Taylor. I didn't think we'd say that. He was one of the guys that surprised me the most. Um, another yeah. guy that surprised me, Demarcus Walker, wasn't playing. Um, and I thought Jaleel Johnson obviously just signed off the Saints practice club. He had a terrible game. Um, he, he will not want to watch that tape back too much. So I think the guys up front got kicked around. And I think Charles Ameny has been a big disappointment so far, I think, in terms of that unit. I think you know, overall as a defence, I think it's holding just. Um but they'll, they'll have a good test this week. And I think, as you said, there'll be no hiding places in the next couple of weeks in terms of the run game. But yeah, there's just there's just been, I think that the talent's probably going to get exposed and it will get exposed as people get banged up and, and you know, and the season goes on and, you know, get guys pick up next year and there. But yeah, I, I think the, 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 in the past coverage and the run defence, which wasn't tested week one really, um, started to show a lot of cracks. It's probably going to, it's, it's going to break open from time to time. And I think we're just going to have to be aware that's a distinct possibility.
0: Well, I also think that that the Browns offensive line doesn't really get enough credit, to be honest with you. Yeah, true, I, I true. think that I think that offensive line is is probably top five in the league. You know, oh, yeah. especially coming from where they were in 2019. I mean, they were they were getting they would get destroyed by everybody. Bigger was running for his life. You know, now they have a bunch of dogs in at, at every single position, it seems. And yeah. um, I mean, they definitely you have to think like when you go up against a matchup like the Browns offensive line, which I'm trying to think of what other team we may be playing where that'll happen. I mean, the Panthers' offensive line is eh. Um, Patriots can run the ball. I think they look like they can run the ball big time this show, first two games. Patriots yeah. Patriots can run the ball. But like outside of that, like I, I think that'll probably be the best offensive line that we've actually seen. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to point that out. I don't, yeah. I don't know if we'll see another matchup
1: like we did against the uh, uh, the Browns. Yeah, and you you think how inexpensively they've assembled that as well. You we think Wyatt Teller was a, a you know a late round pick from trade from Buffalo. The left tackle is a, a second year player at a big school, first round. You go and get him, um, and probably the weak links, Jack Cochran, and he was the guy who was obviously everybody's familiar with Tennessee. It came over on a, on a decent contract, free agent wise. So yeah, I think it is. You're probably right, James. It's probably top two top three I would think and uh they will they, you know what they're really good at what they do um so but I think it just gives people a barometer of where the, where the talent is and there shouldn't be a shock but but yeah it just it just crumbled crumbled and crumbled I think and then that screen pass to the the, the kid at UCLA um was just yeah that was probably the, the worst one because I mean there was probably six missed tackles on that and I think just just the pounding of the run game tired uh the defense out I suppose and kind of got got us to uh Got us to a position where, you know, we're not, we're not necessarily. But I think overall, though you can take positives because if you think it was a 10 point differential on the scoreboard at the end of the game, we pretty much handed them those 10 points, you know, with with, with the interception and the, uh, and the, and the muff punt return. So, you know, I think there's a lot, lot there to to take from the game.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I, you know, as a fan, right, for you, and I just, this is my question, um,
1: is this team better than what you thought they would be? Yeah, no, I think so. I think I, well, I I manage my own expectations to the point where I had zero, you know. And I think I was, you know, I probably said that on every show we did in the off season, you know, don't expect too much, and let yourself be pleasantly surprised. And it's in a far, it's a far better place. I remember the six sack at halftime, Jacksonville week one opener, um, and the week after that, I was, you know, genuinely distraught because I would probably sort of pitched my expectations too high. Um, and you probably learn from that a little bit as a fan to try and sort of guard yourself against the, you know, the likely disappointment This 31 teams going to be disappointed at the end of the year, but yeah, no, they're in a much better place. I think what's been your biggest surprise from, from this team so far?
0: I think it's Tim Kelly, to be honest with you. Um, I don't Did you expect this Tim Kelly? Cause I, even based on last year with the last, you know, what, uh, 12 games with Tim Kelly and Deshaun, I, you know, I didn't see the creativity that we've seen so far. You have to wonder how much Pep Hamilton has influenced some of the things on the offensive side of the ball, right? But uh, Tim Kelly's definitely been... I mean, he's called great games. Really, I, I, I don't know if I have any criticism for the way that the offense has been ran from a play-calling perspective. We're, have we seen David Johnson up the A-gap once this year?
1: Yeah, they've run a couple... Couple at halftime, right. just yeah, but that was it, I think, yeah. yeah.
0: But, but um, I mean, it, there just seems to be a lot more creativity in the run game, a lot more creativity in the passing game. That touchdown to Philip Lindsay, I mean, that was just a beautifully designed yeah. play Yeah. and a beautifully executed play, right? Tons of opportunities for there to be errors on the player side, but they were ready for it. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think Tim
1: Kelly would probably be the biggest surprise for me. What about you? Yeah, you're probably right. I think in terms of, you know, I think the defense is kind of what it is, Um, because I think you can't hide, you can't really hide lack of talent on defense. You know, you'll get away with it to the point, but somebody will break you open. Uh, Whereas offense is a lot more chess match, isn't it, against the defense. And I suppose a lot of it comes down to the quarterback, um, how he's been so far, Tyrod. You know, and hopefully he comes back and, and gives us a you know a boost if, if you know the wheels do come off in the next four games. But yeah, I mean I took a still shot of that that uh you know you got double motion to the left, the whole defense goes to the left hand side, they're right. And uh and literally there was there was two linemen to block one DB and he just ran it in and it was yeah, I don't think I've we're not used to layups. We're not, you know, if you, you always remember in the coup days with the bootleg and then the tight end was just standing in the middle of the field, 40 yards down, just catches it, standing still, and then just starts running with it. And I suppose, I suppose, in many ways, like our, our expectations have been managed so poorly by the previous coach and staff. And again, it goes back to that point. Where it really pisses you off because, like, you know, how did people not see that, that this team was underachieving um, when, you know, a lot of the intelligent, you know, kind of commentators out there that, you know, that, that work around this team, you know, were very vocal about it. Um, you know, we were set up to go 8-8 eight and eight, um, under O'Brien in that previous regime. But, yeah, I think just just the way Tim Kelly's kind of balanced thing, and I suppose it's probably the Mike Devlin factor as well, isn't it? Because he had a huge hand in the run, game calls, preparation, technique. And as you said, look, it's not perfect, but it's it's a lot better than it was. And I think, yeah, if we can continue to improve our run game, um, to complement the pass, then I think we'll be we'll be in an okay position. It just depends how much it depends how much Davis Mills can process it at the line. I think isn't it? I think that's going to be his that's going to be his kind of biggest jump. I think for for Mills. What do you think in terms of him being able to survive in these next four games If be serviceable, not lose you games because he will throw interceptions. But I think he's just got to be smart at the line with with what he calls and what he checks to.
0: Yeah, I mean. I think you know me enough to know, like, I I am uh, more of an optimistic person when it comes to a lot of the things that happen with this team. You know, I I think I was probably the last one to hop off the Bill O'Brien train. Right. Um, And, you know, I know that Davis Mills, there's tons of draft experts that thought that if he came up in 2022, he'd be one of the top quarterbacks taken. Some have said the first quarterback taken. Not a lot of college experience. but, you know, the one thing I saw from Davis Mills that kind of keeps me coming back to hoping there's something there is in the preseason, he tended, you know, as things continued, he would get better. As the games continued, he got better. And that's really all I think you can look for in, in, a, in a developmental you know, rookie quarterback is are they able to process and get better? Are they developing it anyway? Or are they making the same exact mistakes? Um, and you know, it seems like the first two or three series of the preseason, he would struggle, and then he'd get some completions going, and he'd get in the rhythm, and he started to look like he could put it together. And you have to wonder if that could potentially be what he can do in you know his first four games as a starter. I don't know. I I like Davis Mills. I think you know he's got the arm talent. Um, he you know he looks like he has the brains. I mean, that's one of the things that David Shaw uh, always said was that. He's got the brains to process in NFL defense and, and be able to develop. And, uh, you know, we're going to see it this week. This will be the week where you really see if he's able to process because he's going to have a lot of things thrown at him and he's going to have to adjust quick. And I don't expect the run game to be much this week at all. Uh, you know, I, how many runs did he have in the first half? I think I think it was like 56% of the plays in the second half were, were runs because they, they were trying to help Davis Mills out. They're just going to keep stacking the box because they're going to want to make Davis Mills throw. Um, so, you know, I, I hope that he can succeed. You know, I, I think it would just be an awesome FU to, to four, to be honest. I would love for him to just be like this top five quarterback. And, you know, like I said, the, the story writes itself. I don't know if he's that. Um, but if he could just be, you know, average, which I think is really what you need right now, I think you need an average quarterback. Um, I think you can get through this four game stretch. You know, maybe win one. I think, you, I think you can win one game with him. I, I do. I think I think there's one game that you can win with him if you, if the scheme is right, if the play calling is right, if everything else works out. I think you can win a game. And I think if you do win a game, I do think it'll be this game against the Panthers. Um, I don't think you're beating the Patriots. I don't think you're beating the Rams. I think you can maybe beat the Colts. The Colts don't look like a team. Their, their defense has taken a massive step back compared to what we've seen from the Colts in the past. Um, but if you can get a game here or there, that, that'd be great. I just... I want to see him develop. I want to see, you know, if he whatever mistakes he makes in the Panthers game, I want to see those mistakes go away against the Rams. And whatever mistakes he makes in the Rams game, I want to see those mistakes go away against the Patriots and just see yeah. some steady progression, right? That's really all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for him to blow the roof off. I'm not expecting him to have a Deshaun tag game against Tennessee where, you know, he throws, you know, forty, we score 47 points and it just goes crazy. Yeah. I just want to see some development.
1: Yeah. I think if he plays a clean game, as he said, like there was the DB pressures, that's put on tape now. He didn't handle it. So people are going to keep bringing that. And if you watch the Buffalo tape, um, I only saw the highlights against Miami, but that was all DB pressures as well. So like coming up from the nickel. So you know, he'll have to show he can handle that or people continue to do that. And then he'll have to be able to hit a deep ball at some point to keep the safeties honest because if they just keep creeping up to the line of scrimmage, it's going to, you know, it's going to be three and out after three and out, I think. And and then you, you, you're you you're forcing him in a bad situation on third down, which he doesn't deserve. And he's going to throw his fair share of picks because he's shown at times when he's got to come out hot that he, he kind of throws a bit inaccurately. And I think that's the the two things he's got to pick up on, isn't it? Setting at the line and then knowing what the hot route is to... to to take that that pressure away because as soon as you hit somebody deep when they when they when they creep somebody up at the box from the second or third level they're not going to do it again for a while because they know you can hit them so he's going to have to like you know he's going to have to fight you know you're going to you're going to have to punch back um against defensive coordinators i think it's going to be a tough challenge the next two weeks but look i wish him all the best and i think he, i hope i hope he becomes something that, that it doesn't necessarily seem logically like he could be right now but you know, as you said, stranger things have happened and people have just kind of got on a roll. And I think he has to get on a roll. He has to get some luck involved. And, he, and he's going to need everybody to rally around him and play, you know, their A game every week for him to have a chance. But it's... Uh, do, it's you think he, that, do you think there's a better team for, for Mills to be on right now?
0: I mean, just the way... Let me, like, kind of tell you what I mean. So in the sense of, like, the way the players are speaking, the positivity, the approach... Mm-hmm just kind of the way that the team seems to be orchestrating itself from a culture perspective, which is a word that I think everybody's trying to destroy as much as they mm. can right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely think it's one of the, it's become the new versatility word, I guess. People hate culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, could you, I, I can't think of a better situation for Davis Mills to really step into. I, I think like the players have each other's back. The players are supporting each other. They all know what they're here to do. Um, and I just don't know if there's a better situation for Davis Mills to get it right now. Obviously, injuries to wide receivers and, and tight ends and, you know, things of that nature. But um, it just looks like this team is set up to support Davis.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I suppose it's a very different situation. If he had to come in to see a team that was had genuine playoff expectations and a playoff roster, and he's got to keep the ship afloat. Uh, without, you know, I think he threw less than 300 balls in college, and it's not a that you know that's not a great situation for it to come into. But I think you probably think most teams that would that would be in that position probably you know wouldn't be relying on a third round pick with so such limited experience. But you know, stranger things have happened. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a soft environment for him because expectations are low. If we lose these four games, you know, there's an argument we might have lost all four anyway. Um, so I think it's a bit of a, a soft opening for him. Uh, to launch his pro career, but he'll be judged on this, you know. And I think that's the thing. You know, I think these next four games will tell us. There's probably a difference if he is a perennial backup, if he's a clipboard Jesus type of guy, or is he a, or is he a guy who's probably got you know starters or as, starter aspirations for his career, and he and he can he can put the tape out there to show that he's capable of. And I hope he does because I think he, he seems like a decent guy. Um, and you know, and he's he's obviously had a been at a great program, could have stayed an extra year. But he's here now, he's declared and and we'll see, you know, we'll see where he goes. One thing I was actually going to say to you, James, I forgot my notes here. Des King had the chance to go and light up Mayfield. And, uh, you know, you and I probably share a sort of profound disdain for, for Baker. Uh, and surely as a DB, you would have just relished, you don't get a lot of chance to come up to the line and hit the quarterback. And I thought the hesitation was there. He was looking over his shoulder, there was no one there. And he walks in the end zone. And he had a great chance to go and clean him out there, and maybe hold him to three.
0: Yeah, I I was hoping on that play specifically that oh, Baker was going to get unloaded on. I, I really thought that there was a good opportunity. Not only that, Desmond King's a pretty sure tackler. Yeah. That's probably his big strength is you know he's a hitter uh, at, at the cornerback position. But of course, it didn't happen. I couldn't get any joy on Sunday. Right? I couldn't yeah. see at least Baker get knocked down to the ground as hard as possible, which
1: would have made this loss a lot easier to swallow. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, it just seemed like there just was a misplay. I think it was one of the sort of turning points. I think up through the game, wasn't it? That it just kind of didn't go your way, and then the second half just gradually faded. A guy, a guy who wasn't there in the first quarter was Zach Cunningham. Do you think he's he missed the game against Tampa in the preseason, but then he was back at practice? You know them on the Monday um, with a personal issue, it was a discipline issue this time. Do you think he's just one of these guys that isn't bought into this whole? new era it wasn't what he signed up for when he when he when he inked that deal when you consider who his agency are is he sort of creeping towards the exit in the same way probably bradley roby did for discipline reasons and MPDs and whatnot do you think he's in the in the watch list for you know potential moves not this season because they can't afford to do it with cap space but you know his days may be stuck is it the beginning of the end for zach perhaps
0: well, you know, the more I, the more it seems to be going on, it's it's almost like the story's running itself. I mean, you know, Coley comes out in the press conference to make sure that so people know why he didn't play in the first half. I mean, there, there definitely seems to be some sort of um, issue between the coaching staff and, and Zach Cunningham. But honestly, at the same time, like if you watch Zach play this year, he he doesn't look any better than he looked last year in coverage. He looks more lost, to be honest with you. Um, and he, he really isn't making much of an impact on the run game. He just, Zach doesn't look like the guy that that we wanted to sign the contract, like a contract extension. Like, I remember you and me were both pretty high on Zach for the first three years that he was on this team, and we, we both thought that he had the potential to be something. Once he signed that contract, I, I don't know if I've seen that same Zach Cunningham.
1: Yeah, I suppose there's a question of how much the guys want it once they get paid and they bank that signing bonus and then do they do they not put in the hours that they used to do? But I think he, he had a great season in 2018 and then 19. And, it, and you wonder how much did Bernard McKinney make him look good? But then I suppose he's playing in a well spot right now on a, you know, in a three man linebacker spot. And he doesn't look great at that either. And that was kind of, you know, he was the up guy and, uh, but he's not doing that. Um, he, he seems to be getting blown up in the hole a lot when he comes down for run fits. As you said, his coverage ability's never been great. I remember it was at the twenty eighteen opener, and I think New England abused him in the past game. Um yeah. and, and he did bounce back from that, but he's but he's not yeah, he's not he's not a prone. He's certainly not like a proficient in the, in the, in pass coverage. So I I think when you when you look at that contract right now, it doesn't look good. Um, you know, to be paying him at thirteen and a half million APY or whatever it's fourteen half in that region. He's certainly not playing like a player, you know, of that, you know, of a top sort of ten linebacker. So yeah, I mean, if you could move on from him, I think. I wouldn't necessarily be too upset about moving on from a, a linebacker who's not a standout. And I think Christian Kirksey was the better. That's probably our best linebacker right now. And that kind of tells you tells you a lot, really.
0: Uh, that's what I was just about to say. And Kirksey is all over the field. I mean, he's hands down the best linebacker we have. And th- this guy's been in the league for a long time. Um, and the reason why the Browns moved on from him was because he didn't look like the same player after his injury. And now he looks like he's back to form. He, he's definitely the best linebacker on this team. Um, he's making plays in the backfield constantly. Uh, not the greatest in coverage, but definitely our—I would say probably our best in coverage. Um, Yeah, I don't—I don't really know what's going on with Zach. Um, it sucks because the guy had a ton of potential. He's got the speed for you know the side-to-side line speed that you would look for in a coverage linebacker. But maybe it's just all up in his head that he just—I don't know what it is about coverage schemes. He just seems to be confused. He's always out of place. He's yeah. never where he needs to be. There were a couple plays in the Jags game where. He could have made an impact and and gotten in the path of the ball and just was on the wrong side of it. I just I don't know. Um, I think this year I don't think you could trade him this year. I think you'd eat too much of the cap. But yeah, I, mean, I think, I think mean, it's like a
1: dead hit or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think next year is the year that you can trade him. Um, but you know, if you, I mean, they they haven't really worried about eating cap at all so
1: far this year. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, if you got a second or a third from you, would probably take it, and move on. So yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody needs to lose sleep over that. But I, I think he's taped there, so I don't think anybody would be offering that um based on the way he's played. So, you know, I suppose probably your best bet is he can rediscover that form slightly and find out where he where he is. But um but yeah, I think so. What do you think then in terms of the next sort of four weeks? If it is four weeks, because I mean soft tissue injuries are very variable, they heal at very different rates. It could be six, eight weeks, you know. Um it's you know you can't it's not like a broken bone, you can't scan it. Um I know you get MRI on it, but it's not it's not conclusive by any stretch. So yeah, what do you what do you think's a good outcome uh for this team? Is do you think of the next four is one win success and two wins overachieving? Is that would you is that fair?
0: Over the next four weeks? Yeah. Um I think going two and four would probably be a success. Um Because for that to happen, that means Davis Mills played pretty well in at least two of those games. Um, You know, we're not going up against, well, I guess the only juggernaut offense we're going up against is the Rams. And, you know, they they had an off day on Sunday. They didn't look like they did in week one, but that's a new quarterback getting used to new weapons. I do think that I picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl for the NFC this year. I think Matthew Stafford is going to be a big difference maker for the Rams. Um, And so I think, you know, outside of the Rams offense I don't really know if there's another offense that we really need to worry about and I think that'll be enough to where like those turnovers like you said will hide some of the issues with the defense and put us in a position to succeed and win a, a game or two here um and if you can go two and two and two over the next four games you're still on the playoff hunt um which I I, I think is the what they want you know I I know that a lot of people are you know, just lose as many games as possible and tank. I don't know where you lie on the tanking
1: situation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're you're never. I suppose if you think of the year, right, Clowney was on the other side. Um, you know, eye gouge aside, if it wasn't eye gouge, inconclusive. The post the post was in the way of the uh, of the camera to get a full shot of it, right? But I think if you look at that draft, you take the number one. He was the camp miss pick, and actually Aaron Donald was a better player. You could argue uh, Khalil Max had a better, you know, and they were all what was what Khalil Max was what fifth or sixth. And Aaron Donald was in the teens, so yeah. I if you look at you know, the, and he's not filled his potential, but there James was the best player in his draft, probably arguably. Uh, Laramie Tunsil was arguably the best player in his draft class. JG Watt was definitely the best player in his draft class. So you know, none of them went top five uh, for the for the majority of it. So I think it's a lot of time it comes down. To, and I am I, a believer in fate. I think, and if you know, if 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 you're in the right spot at the right time, like we were to get Watson. And it's never, you know, as I said, I was on a Bills podcast in advance of next week last night. And I said, you know, I expected 15 years at the guy. I got four. Um, So you never know. It all changes very much in a hurry. So, yeah, I I don't think there's any massive benefit of being fifth in the draft versus being eighth in the draft or being 12th, you know. And And I suppose I've watched more college football this year than I have done the last previous years. And there's no real clear consensus between, you know, there's not a Trevor Lawrence where you can go, yeah, you know, let's just take this guy and we will, our fortune will be, you know, be on a better path than it would be without him. But I don't think there's one of those guys because the guy, Matt Corral from Ole Miss seems to be the kind of sort of consensus, or he certainly, you know, jumped up in the odds for the Heisman. Uh, but, you know, he, you've got a potential to say he's a one-year wonder. And if you look at all the one-year wonders that have come in the league this last few years, James, you look Joe Burrow struggling, Baker Mayfield, you know never really proved there is a question of whether you pay him or not. Um if you look at you know multiple other guys that have come in the last few years, you know, before you know up till the up to the 2017 class and all the all the subsequent classes out of that, I don't think there's a clear standout yet. It might be Trevor Lawrence. Um it might even be Mac at the Patriots, but like there isn't a clear standout guy. Who who's can't miss, you know, so they don't come around very often. So, you know, if you get a Derek Stingley at six and we first, we get the first ever shut down corner in our history, I'm all right with that, you know, and if we win a couple of games and makes this season a bit more enjoyable, then yeah, so be it.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at. Um, I also think that the Texan situation is a lot different. You know, I, I, I talked about it last week and I think it seems to be something that tends to be forgotten, but... In a normal situation, tanking would, would somewhat be okay because you know you're just bettering your chances at the top quarterback, right? That that's really what it boils down to. But at the end of the day, the, the Texans are in a completely different situation than every other team is, that is in a rebuild. They have an, a a top five asset that is likely to be moved next year, right? So in return, you're going to get two to three first round picks plus some later picks, potentially some players. So if that happens before the draft next year and you finish, you know, um, what would it be? A nine and eight, right? Is that the new record, right? Nine and eight, or let's let's say seven, eight and nine, whatever it may be, and you're picking in the team. Yeah, you're picking in the teens either way. Um, you still have all those assets to be able to go and get whatever player you want. It really doesn't matter. You know, So I guess that's why for me, it's, I, I would rather than not try to tank and, and rather than be competitive and see if we can find a couple, a couple you know players that we can extend that could be a part of what we're doing. Because you have Deshaun Watson that is going to give you all the draft capital you need to be able to go and get that quarterback or the other players that are needed to round out this team. And that, that's my biggest thought is there's no reason to tank when you know for a fact you're going to get something
1: back in return for Watson. Yeah. And I think it goes for the rest of the squad as well. You know, if anybody comes and offers any level of value at the trade deadline and, you know, the next seven or eight weeks, that I think they'll be gone, you know, if the value's there, because I don't think they're tied to anyone. You saw that with Bradley Roby. And, you know, if it's Zach Cunningham, if it's Desmond King, if it's I don't know, yeah, maybe Chuck. Well, yeah. I mean, I would drive them there myself. Um, you know, so um, you know, if any if you can get any value for any of these guys, I'd take it. Um, because the future is in not next year. It's probably beyond that, I think. And it's going to take a while people get around that. But as I said, I would rather enjoy the games and see a valiant, you know, plucky performance out of a team who are trying to give, you know, something for that jersey rather than, you know, the opposite of what we've probably seen in previous years. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be a tough couple of four weeks, but we're going to learn a hell of a lot um, about these guys. And I think, you know, really for me, and it, it was, it was, it was, Terrible to see Justin Reed go down a number of times because he's probably the only player on this squad right now who I would probably kind of say definitely has the talent, the makeup to be a future piece, but do you pay a safety when you're rebuilding and do you pay a safety that continually get injured? And I keep going back to that, I think no, Um, but he's probably the only player you think, yeah, he's probably a bit of a standout, you know. And and it was so shit for Nico Collins to get injured as well. He gets a thirty-five uh, yard slant, and then he's out for four weeks to a shoulder. You know, and it's just it was just stuff like that It was continual step backs. You know, and you think like Gruger Hill flashes, but then he gets caught in coverage, and so it's just like I just felt like you know you got like a bit of success, and then it just you know you never necessarily saw it for. And it, I suppose as well that that that's the issue, isn't it? I suppose when you're you're sort of grinding these games out. If you were grinding these games out with younger guys. You could probably take a little bit more solace in defeat, but when you're grinding them out with vets that you might not be able to afford to pay, or does it make financial sense to pay? You kind of feel like, you know, you just tread and water a little bit. And I have that floating in the back of my mind constantly.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, um, with the young guys, they're gonna to have to learn a lot of the fundamentals and basics, and there's going to be a lot of learning throughout the entire season. I don't know if that's something I want to watch right now. I, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I want to watch a you know a 31 to10 Browns game, um, because there's so many young guys on the defense that you know they're just not in a position to succeed. I get it. I understand it, but I think with where the Texans are going, I think that that's the, that's the next step of the rebuild. And I think that's why next year is so important. When you look at the, the draft capital that we already have you know, tons of six-round picks, right? Just tons of – we have tons of picks. We're going to have tons of picks next year. There's going to be more players moved by the trade deadline. We're going to have even more picks. And then you add, you know, the Deshaun Watson package. That next year is going to be the year of the young. And we'll, I think this year it's more like let's give the fans some entertaining football and see if we can find a couple guys that we can extend. And if we can't, then, uh, you know, we'll just kind of keep it moving. They're in a tough place. Like, I, I know not everybody was a big fan of Nick Cesar, but I really do think he put together a pretty competitive roster for what he had. I mean, I do think that his hand – I think when he signed on, one hand was tied behind his back with the cap and the lack of picks, right? So there's not much he can do. And then his second hand was tied behind his back when Deshaun Watson just decided he wasn't going to play. So I think Nick's done a pretty good job forming a roster that looks somewhat competitive. I I think when he actually has some capital and some cap room to to maneuver and make moves, I I think we're we're poised to have a pretty decent rebuild pretty quickly. But at the end of the day, you gotta hit on those picks, right? And if if what he if what he did in two thousand twenty one of the draft, um, you know, with Nico and Brevin, Garrett Wallow looks like he could potentially be at least, you know, a death piece. You know, he he didn't have a ton of picks to work with. And I I love the Nico I I am a big Nico fan. I, I do think he's a part of the future in a very, very heavy way. The guy looks
1: great. Yeah. Um, you just want to see it on the field, don't you? And I think that's why it's still so yeah, gut wrenching. Exactly. The club. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you I do think, because you, you know that he has the talent. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I think you you bring Jordan VC up this week, um, because he was he was Mills's favorite talent um, target in the preseason. So I think he's worth, you know, a handful of packages to give Mills an option that he's comfortable with. Um, and it's good to see Roy Lopez out there as well, um, you know, right. running with the ones. Um, he's not playing great. He's getting tired and his pad level's a bit high. He's facing the sideline too often, losing leverage, but he's learning. And you know, I, I don't mind that. I just want you see the inactives. And I think I'd much rather watch Jordan Jenkins get... I, I would rather sorry, rather watch Jonathan Greenard make the same yeah. mistakes that Jordan, that Jordan Jenkins is on the edge um, or Charles man who still shows he can't set the run on the edge and he has to be, oh played, in, he has to be played inside exclusively. So you know, I I I think we found that. So you know, and then would would you rather see Scottish Phillips run the ball fifteen times um, than 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 perhaps you know take some of the load off other guys? So you know, because they're the they're the ones that you can see benefit in the future. But um, but we're going to learn a lot in the next few weeks. But the good news is. I can now fly to America as of November, so I will be at a game. So I will see you at some point, mate. Finally. Hey! Um, so, so it came out yesterday. I'm still waiting to see the official guidelines for the CDC and all that kind of stuff. But we'll, we'll either be at a road game or at a home game. I'm not sh- quite sure if we'll do, you normally do both. Um, but yeah, it was a bit, uh, it was good to see that yesterday because it's shit watching it at home. I hate it. I like to, you know, I think there's not, you can't be a live event. I think that's what the pandemic's taught us. Whether it's theatre, music, or anything. It's 100 times better being there. So hopefully, um, we'll be out there at some point, mate. And I'm, I'm, I've got a, a long list of, I said that to Brandon Scott last time. I've got a long list of people that I need to buy a few drinks for. Thank for all their time they're giving me on this. So hopefully, we'll get over, but just waiting to see the details. And then it'll be some game in November. It might be the Jets. It was home, or if it's a road, it'll probably be Miami or Nashville. So we'll see what. We'll see what's I,
0: I, in November, the only game I'll be at will be... Actually, there's no game. I won't be at any... Please. The only game at home in November is
1: the... Is the, is the Jets. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll be at the Seahawks. Um, right. That's about it. Right. i will try and get something sorted because I uh, definitely want to get over anyway. So we'll wait and see where the details come out of, But i uh, delighted to be able to actually go, I think, because it'll be... Uh, it was uh, a year on the sidelines is uh, is not great for anybody. I think for fans and what have you. But hopefully we'll get that sorted out, mate. Thanks again for your time this week. Appreciate it. We're going to learn a lot in the next few weeks about Mister Davis Mills. But um, but uh, at least at least we sh- put a good show showing. I think at least, and that's that's probably yeah. Let's embrace it while it lasts. And. Uh, We'll see where we get to as as we head towards the draft. But James, thank you very much for your time. We always appreciate episode ninety-eight, and I wouldn't be able to do it with guys like yourself. So thank you for your time again, mate. Absolutely, thank you.